Hi, and welcome back to Fantasy for the Ages, the podcast where a father and son sit down and talk about fantasy literature. In today's episode, we'll be starting finally with uh, really diving into the Wheel of Time with the first book, The Eye of the World. Uh, I'm son, Zach. And I'm father, Jim. It's good to have you with us again here. We really look forward to uh, what we talk about here at the beginning of this book, the section called The Prologue, to be something that makes more sense to you than it did when we read it for the first time. Uh, that's assuming you've listened to our previous episodes. So if you've been following along with these episodes, you already will know that we're, we are talking about The Wheel of Time, and we'll be doing that for a while. Um, <laughs> a while. A, a long while. But now that we are diving into directly following along the book a little bit, you can follow along as well. We'll let you know by the end of this episode where we will be going for the next one. But this will focus primarily on the prologue and anything that we ourselves jump off to from that. Yep. Tangential thoughts that come to mind, things we want to explore a little more deeply, anything that we found interesting. Uh, so to begin with here, I kind of want to just get a uh, brief frame of reference what your thoughts were when you first go back 20, 30 years. When you first read this, first read the prologue, do you remember what you thought? Absolutely. What the heck is going on? I am so lost. <laughs> I don't understand anything I'm reading. Something like that. That sounds accurate. The first time I re read this prologue, I was 10, I think. It was my first attempt at reading this book, and I didn't get much further than this prologue. Yep, that is not an uncommon experience for people. I was able to follow some names of some characters. I had a general grasp of, okay, some people talk, and then something really crazy happens, and suddenly I turn the next page, and none of the people we just met are mentioned. I'm confused. So it took me a while before I ever really came back to the book again. I mean, it does start out promisingly, though. In the very first sentence, you know something's going on. It says, The palace still shook occasionally as the earth rumbled in memory, groaned as if it would deny what had happened. That's a great first sentence. So looking at that, I kind of have to figure out what was going on here. What's happening in this prologue? As we understand and have talked in the previous episode, this is kind of taking place at the start of the breaking of the world. Uh, specifically, technically the breaking has not happened. Oh, no. No, I disagree. But, this is in the midst of the breaking of the world. Okay, how far after Luz Theron goes with his 100 companions? How far after that do you think this section takes place? You know, it's, it's hard to pin down, but a little context... We know that when Luz Theron Telamon and his hundred companions sealed the boar, mm -hmm. they, they immediately went insane. Mm -hmm. And they went around, went around breaking the world. One of the things Luz Theron is specifically known for is, you know, Luz Theron Kinslayer. He went around and killed anyone who had a dash of his blood and anyone who was friends with anyone who was a dash of his blood. Because of how this prologue ends, you understand he's already done all of that. Yes. How, how long, long does it take him to track down everybody? I think it's a s mostly singular instance. Because we I get into a, get that. we get into a portion of this and introduced here as Elon, he says that after this you will be known as Kinslayer. 
And I, when I first read through this, I looked at this and went, how does that work? And I had the thought of going, it must have been, it took a while, it was something very known, because he destroys this all. And it wasn't until later, going back at it, I realized, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't what? The area that we start this chapter in is not the area we finish this chapter in. Well, no, no, he travels. To a very different place. Yes, but we know he's already been about the business of killing all of his kin. Because right here on the very first page, you see he's already killed his wife. She's laying there on the ground, mm -hmm. dead, and he, he can't see it because he's insane. And there's lots of other dead people here, too. Maybe this is just my choosing to believe it all happened very, very fast, but partially because we see it, partially because it's described with lightning and fire and the ground that chased after people, I kind of think a lot of the people that were related to him, that were his family, that were descendants or connected with any sort of blood, lived all largely together, especially in a world that had been war-torn. It's not split across. I don't think all of them, though. No, I think he had to move around. Now, they travel. So he can go quickly, mm -hmm. place to place. If he's a man on a mission, he just wants to kill Cousin Mo, Larry, and Curly. He can get to all of them regardless of where they are pretty quick. But also all the friends, anyone who knew them. And I think it took a little while. I, I don't know. For him to get the reputation as this horrible dragon who broke the world, I think there has to have been some time him doing stuff for a while. I don't think so. I think we can blame one person for why the reputation gets spread as bad and as wide as it does. Because I don't think necessarily, yes, he did a horrible thing. I'm not sure he did as bad as is believed thousands of years later by the time we get to where our story mainly takes place. I mentioned Elon. He's mentioned here as the portrayer of hope. It is, as we later find out, Ishmael. Yeah, one of Luce Theron's closest friends and nearly equal in power, but who went over to the dark side. We also hear, as we've talked, that most, if not all, of the Chosen or Forsaken were sealed up with the Dark One. And the understanding we get here from the prologue is that, obviously, Elan didn't get caught the same way everybody else did. Exactly. So my thinking is, it makes total sense that Elan sees this, he almost seems a little shocked at the amount of destruction the fact that Luz Theron doesn't realize he killed his own wife, but he knows that something happened. He's going, this gripped you so much so quickly? And I think it's very likely he then goes around and spreads these stories and rumors. He's responsible for the fact that the whole world knows that Luz Theron did this. Mm, it's a theory. I don't go with that one. I think he really did do some pretty terrible things. I just wonder... And of course, the prologue, how it ends, is pretty dramatic. But in such a soon-to-be-broken world, how quickly does the news get around, or how does it even get around, if not for someone really spreading that information, choosing to make sure it gets out there? So let's go through a little more of mm -hmm. the prologue. What's, what's really happening here? So it, it starts, there's a palace, and it is in many ways torn apart. The ground's still shaking, it's an upheaval, fire has gone through, lightning has ruptured, but it was a very targeted thing. 
there are still tapestries hanging on the walls that are spotless. Not a single mark or scorch on them, hanging undisturbed except for how the ground shook. Same with uh, bits of furniture, nice things, but there are people, bodies strewn about as this power sought after the people. And Theron is walking through this, looking for his wife. Ileana! Ileana, where are you? Yeah. I'm glad you said it, because I didn't have a pronunciation ready on that one. Yeah. I just Ileana. look at it and go, I don't know. It might be Ileana. You know, the Y could be more of an I. Ileana or Ileana, it's up for debate. I just got lazy and would say Elena. No, <laughs> not there. I know it's wrong, but I was just lazy. Uh but she's laying on the floor dead. Now, it doesn't say. And she's actually the one in a pool of blood laying on the floor. I mean, you get that a little later. But yeah. we know it's her, and he doesn't see it. He steps, literally says he steps over her. He's calling for her. She's dead at his feet. There's something wrong with this man's mind. <laughs> Quite obviously. And then we see someone else appear. And... I like the way that it describes he comes in. The air rippled, shimmered, solidified into a man. And that he shows up, his mouth twisting briefly with distaste. And I, I personally wonder, is that distaste at what's seen, the violence in that mess, or just at Luce Theron? It could be both. The way I read it there, I kind of get more of the, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is disgusting, this place now. Oh. This is someone we learned to be a bad guy, but... He's not like, let's just go out and revel in the beauty of killing everything. That's not him. Yeah. Now, again, this is one of the Forsaken. This is one of the top, if not the top lieutenant for the Dark One during this war of power. And he shows up, basically, he says, Lord of the Morning, nickname for Luce Theron, mm -hmm. or title. I have come for you. And he doesn't get the reaction he's looking for. Small pause. Can we take a moment to recognize how dumb the world gets that they don't connect the idea of someone called he who comes with the dawn and someone who was called lord of the morning to be related like connected it's not until after the fact that they realize that's connected they're not really they are he who comes with the dawn is tied to a specific prophecy which, which takes place in direct contrast in history. This is way ahead. We're a spoilers podcast, but that's spoiling way too much. We're, no. And yet you can say a lot of these things are connected for being. It was inspired from previous. Is it a literal prophecy or is it a play on words? All of this goes on through this. And even times where, yes, it's a literal thing that happens. We go, but it also is this other thing. And which one is it truly? both well it's a wheel and everything Repeats. comes around goes around so there's an interesting phrase here when elon sees clearly that luce theron doesn't see mm -hmm. what's around him and that he's clearly insane i mean he's ready to welcome him and he's calling for his wife again who's lying dead at his feet his reaction is elon's reaction shaitan take you does the taint already have you so far in its grip that's interesting you know, if he's, you know, already been going around and killed all of his kin and everything, of course he's completely insane. Mm -hmm. And yet Ilan seems surprised. Which to me signifies it's more likely sudden. It, it, he hasn't been running around doing this necessarily. That's it's not well known. That that's maybe gives some I credence to that. what you're saying. If he did it very, very fast. Yeah. 
and that word has not gotten around that Luz Theron is this insane already. Not yet. Now, Luz Theron then goes on to ask, who are you? What do you want? So he doesn't even recognize who this guy mm-hmm. is. One of his best friends. Yeah. Closest associates. Now, I also like to just throw out here, Elon is talking, Shaitan, take you. It's a swear. Mm-hmm. It's a swear using the Dark One's name, stuff that people don't say, and Luz Theron recognizes that. And yet, whether it's become a common enough swear, or it is a literal he's saying to do this, Elon, the guy who is working for slash serving the Dark One, still uses that as his choice. I think that's really interesting, recognizing that I mean, he's pointing out, and it's a very small thing we don't necessarily pick up on immediately, but Elon recognizes he chose the bad guy <laughs> because he's still using this as a bad thing, mm-hmm. even if it's just a turn of phrase. Now, here's another thing that perhaps gives credence, again, to Luce Theron going around and killing people very fast, mm-hmm. not over a period of time. As he's talking to him, he says, he's talking about how he's been named betrayer of hope yes yeah but then he says you know you've been given the name dragon but after this after day this day men will call you kinslayer this is exactly so, yeah so what it, i was po- pointing out could just be that because by this point now you have killed everybody or it could be on this one day it's hard to say and i look at this and i see it as yes it's a day and elon having seen this is going to make sure they call him kinslayer that's but he didn't say qu- he's going to make no. sure they call. No. But yeah, to we're, know it... We're getting too caught up on this. Yeah, a little <laughs> well, bit. Let's move along. But they keep going, and while Luz Theron still doesn't know what's going on, Elon mocks him a little bit, but also gives us information yeah, about this world and things Luz Theron has done. So we see things of Luz Theron was the best. First among servants. Not servants. The, the servants. servants. Wore the Ring of the Tamerlan. So what's that? We don't know. <laughs> we but really you do, don't know. Kind of. Not entirely, but we understand with the whole context that means he was the top dog. He was the one over all Aes Sedai. And maybe it's me just reading into the fact that the names are similar, but I think of it in a very similar state to what we eventually get the Amarlin seat. Well, of course. And it's where they bring it and from. And he sat in the high seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Once you summoned the Nine Rods of Dominion. There's a lot of debate on what those exactly are. I think they're Oath Rods. That's what the most common thing is, that they were rods that had power to do certain things. And the Oath Rod is used, probably, it may indeed be one of the Nine Rods of Dominion, but speculated that what they do with it now isn't what it was meant for, isn't actually what it no. truly does. That's just what they use it for now. It does seem like And what people they who were, have never read the series have no idea what we're saying now. No idea at all. But the oath There'll rods, be an oath rod. as Trust they're us. used, generally bind oaths. So there's some dominion. Exactly. <laughs> okay. And they can be used to grant dominion over when someone is able to summon them and have people swear on it. Okay, now coming up is another phrase. I've always loved this one. Mm-hmm. You defeated me at the gates of Perendizen. Yeah, paradise, Perendizen. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty darn close, paradise, at the gates of paradise. Robert Jordan uses a number of phrases and names that are so close to things we're very familiar with, but he just tweaks them just a little. And he does it very intentionally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he gets to, but I am the greater now. 
I will not let you die without knowing that. When you die, your last thought will be the full knowledge of your defeat, of how complete and utter it is, if I let you die at all. Meanwhile, Luce Theron's not really listening. Yeah, he's still like, where's my wife? I don't know what's keeping her. <laughs> where's the woman that I'm practically standing on having murdered? Oh, Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> So Elon is here to bask in his victory, even though this takes place after the sealing of the boar. So the Dark One has been sealed out, as have most of the Forsaken. And Elon somehow is not trapped in there right now. But still, he knows that Luce Theron and the Hundred Companions were struck insane. Mm -hmm. So he sees it as, I don't care what's happened to the Dark One, I've won. <laughs> I beat you, Luce Theron. That's the whole purpose I turned to the Dark One. I could never quite be better than you. Now I am. Oh, ha, 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 ha. So he's like, but this isn't good enough. I need you to know yeah. I've beat you. And right now you have no blooming clue. You barely know who I am. This is not right. So he's going to try to heal him. There's some nice poetic symmetry that there is not a true victory for either side that to seal away the dark, the light had to suffer this great blow, but in Elon trying to gloat, he can't get it. And so there is no winner, really. None of them are happy truly with the outcome. Mm -hmm. Now we learn something here about Elon and perhaps about the Forsaken in what he does then, because he, he wants to heal, and it's a capital H, so it's healing with the power, okay? He wants to heal him so that he'll know. He says, but, you know, normal healers could at best give you a few lucid minutes. That's not enough. I really want you truly healed so you truly know how horrible this is, and what you've done and everything. So I'm going to use Shaitan's well, power. But no, unfortunately. It does, but he says he can only do about the same. Even with his power, he feels... He doesn't know how to do much better. No, 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 no. That's not what it says. Yeah. Look at this. I was never very skilled at healing, and I follow a different power now. But even one of them could only give you a few lucid minutes if you did not destroy her first. What I can do will serve as well for my purposes. Yes, will serve as well. As well as that. It's saying what he can do will serve as well as what she could do for that moment. It'll give those few minutes. Mm-hmm. He's not saying he can cure him purely, but he can give him a few lucid minutes anyways, even though he doesn't have the power of healing. But that's not what I'm getting at. I'm getting at that he's using a different power. Yes. That's what's important and significant in this phrase. Not what, you know, that he's healing instead of getting some woman to try to heal him. No, that he's tapping into a oh. new source of power. The reason why I was kind of pushing that he's not going to heal him all the way here is because it shows even these two most powerful people from the Age of Legends don't know how to heal what's going on. They can't heal madness. They can't heal the madness from the Dark One. We do see later that's possible. They're basically saying it's impossible. And yet, yet we see it done later. It is discovered. To a degree, they're never able... Okay, we're getting into massive spoiler territory yeah. here. They never able to heal Rand's madness. That's because Rand isn't exactly, exactly madness. 
by the time it's figured out it's entirely caused by the taint by the time it is figured out how it would be able to be healed he's dealt with it in a different way and it is no longer we'll circle around to that though when we get there because it's very clear at that point that no i can heal everybody else's madness i can't heal yours and it's not because of how he dealt with it it's still the madness it's something different okay we're gonna that we're gonna come back to but that'll be like months from now (laughs) (laughs) or more so he does heal him using the true power yeah the dark one's access to the true source no true true power different but not true source the The one power comes from the true source this is the true power power, which essence of the the dark dark one. one which is very painful yeah yeah but when the pain has gone when the pain has receded he is clear again and what does he do well he sees his wife yeah and that stinks yeah he's a little upset by that Uh, he so much so that he basically goes you've done so much elon i now remember all that you've done and for that you'll never be forgiven but she's laying dead at our feet so I am going to kill you seven ways. Ah, but Ilan has moment. has a promise here. Has an offer. Mm-hmm. Says, you know, she's gone, but the Great Lord of the Dark can make her live again. Yeah, everyone calls him the Dark One, except the people who have sided with him. Then he's the Great Lord of the Dark. We'll see that phrase again and again. Yep. This is the first time we get to see it. So if only he will serve him. It's like Jesus on the temple being tempted to jump off or to turn bread stone into bread he's like you know all you have to do is serve him and you can have your fondest desire and it's a very tempting offer loose theron doesn't seem tempted Mm -mm. he's right in there coming back with anger goes on about 10 years betrayer 10 years your foul master has racked the world and now this it almost seems like he doesn't listen to the offer it's not that he's recognizing the offer and rejecting it but at first he's in grief he's not thinking could i get her back he's just looking for vengeance i read this as a broken man but at who first is not here, recognizing anything if you look at this though at first he doesn't realize he killed his wife no he but thinks he sees elon killed his wife exactly but his seeing his wife dead and now this i will he doesn't think anything other than i need revenge and I don't think he's hearing anything. He, his madness is cured, and so he, or at least for a moment here, and so he is actually hearing in a sense that he didn't beforehand when he was just looking for his wife. But this is still a very one-sided conversation. Now, this exposition gives us a lot of the information we've already been saying, where Elon is trying to wake him up a little more. He mm-hmm. says, remember, you fool. Remember your futile attack on the great Lord of the Dark. Remember his counterstroke. Remember. Even now, the hundred companions are tearing the world apart, and every day a hundred men more join them. What hand slew Ilyena Sunhair, Kinslayer? Not mine. Not mine. What hand struck down every life that bore a drop of your blood? Everyone who loved you. Everyone you loved. Not mine, Kinslayer. Not mine. Remember and know the price of opposing Shaitan. Now, again, that gives a little more credence to there's been some time. At least a couple days. Because every day, a hundred men more join them. At least a couple days. But that that seems to imply more has gone by. It implies, yes, likely a couple more days. Or, because I'm going to die on this horse, (laughs) potentially. You die in a hill. 
No, I'm, I'm dying on my ho- high horse. <laughs> <laughs> Elon is cognizant of what happened and sees the repetition and inevitability that he always does. I think it's more likely a couple days went by, but I also like the idea of saying something like every day this will happen is a very similar statement in my opinion to every time the wheel turns, this thing happens. And he does go to that again, that the battle was not fought once, it was not these last 10 years, but rather we have fought thousands of times and will fight a thousand more. Now, let me introduce one of the concepts of Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time series for our listeners right now. Okay. The unreliable narrator. Mm. Elon is saying what Elon believes. Yes. That does not mean it's true. No. And we'll see this come up again and again. And Robert Jordan uses this masterfully. Every one of the chapters, we're, we're getting through one of the characters' point of view. And we are hearing what that character believes to be true, that character's perspective. And we will even learn through other perspectives and stuff that sometimes those characters are completely wrong. <laughs> we don't get a narrator's point of view. Mm-hmm. There's no omniscient narrator in this series which makes it delightful and gives us lots to talk about all along. So that gives us this example here. Elon is saying we've done this hundreds, thousands of times. Maybe. Maybe Maybe not. not. Elon was one of the great philosophers, perhaps the greatest philosopher of Mm -hmm. his age. This is stuff he studied, he dug into. It doesn't mean he's right. Uh, He eventually went the way that many modern world nihilists went. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm that ultimately none of it matters yeah definitely a nihilist nietzsche would love him yeah so he now sees his eyes are open he sees everyone he's killed his whole household servants everyone they're all dead and he realizes he did it so what does he do he runs away he does not with his feet no he and this is something that we only really realize what it is that he did i think really a couple books later when we first see this actually happen but he traveled, capital T. Yep. Reached out to the true source, to tainted Sidene, and he traveled. It doesn't describe exactly what that means or how that was. So again, when we're reading it, we're like, what? We don't have context yet. Mm-hmm. But And heck, at the time, what Luz Theron did and what Elon did to get there, these could have been the same things. We know now they're not. Right. But at the time that as we read this, maybe even as it was written, it could have been. So here he is now, out in the middle of nowhere, and he basically commits suicide. Mm-hmm. Because he cannot live with what he has done. So he still touching Sidene, the male half of the power that drove the universe, that turned the wheel of time. See, there's an exposition dump again for us. And he could feel the oily taint fouling its surface, the taint of the shadow's counterstroke, the taint that doomed the world because of him. Because in his pride, he had believed that men could match the creator, could mend what the creator had made, and they had broken. In his pride, he had believed. And so he draws on the source, deep, deep, deeper, deeper. And he was perhaps the most powerful Aes Sedai of his age. Very possibly. So he draws as much power as he can into himself. And then some. And then more. And... Calls down a beam of liquid white light from the heavens down upon himself. And through himself. Thrusts through to the core of the earth. And up rises an incredible mountain volcano thingy higher than anyone's ever seen. So I have some stuff about this. 
All right. When I first read it, I was 10, and I understood kind of what happened, but I also went, this was him doing all of this. And it ends up totally like destroying and reshaping parts of the world, and it's such a massive feat of power. So then when I reread, that was the context I had, and I kept it. And it was fairly recently. I looked back at this and went, there is a massive feat of power, but the only thing he really does is shoot a massive beam that cores to the earth. The rest of the destruction, the volcano, all that isn't him. It's just the natural... The consequence. Yeah, natural consequence of pressure being relieved through this small hole and magma shooting off like a geyser, ripping through the earth as it goes. Not just magma, though. I mean, you don't have this incredible mountain peak just from magma being released. Yes and no. So the ground thrust up yeah. at this point. Well, it's like when trying to vent pressure out of something. I don't care how you do it. You poke a tiny hole, that hole's going to expand, and stuff around it's probably going to blow out with it. There is too much pressure underneath the ground that when he bores this hole, it doesn't all fit through the hole. It breaks the ground with instead. And so it's not his power doing it. It's just the earth reacting to what he did. So he's always blamed for breaking the world, and it's seen as so much power, and it is. Oh, but this but it's by itself much, is not the breaking of the no. world. This is just one small piece of the world being broken. But it definitely is a large thing, and then it continues on to read to say, I think it's in the poems that follow, how the world was ruptured and stuff, and it very much gives a suggestion that this in and of itself was a decent chunk of it. Was it the only thing? No. But it was significant. I mean, it's significant enough that even through the rest of it, the land formations that come from this stay. Now, speaking to significances of it, so this also creates the island of Tarvalon. Tarvalon. There you go. Where the Aes Sedai will eventually regroup and form their new power base. Mm -hmm. I chuckle that Elon shows up on that island to see what Luce Theron did. On the island, the air shimmered and coalesced. The black-clad man stood staring at the fiery mountain rising out of the plain. His face twisted in rage and contempt. You cannot escape so easily, dragon. It is not done between us. It will not be done until the end of time. It is a nice little nod to show Elon and his corruption was there from, from the, the beginning. very beginning. Before, <laughs> before the White Tower even was there. He was there first. See, I like that. I like that. It's a corrupted beginning. Yeah. So you you immediately have to wonder if anything out of that will be able to be fully good. They could have picked, as we talked in the last episode, they searched around to find a place to build their city, the Aes Sedai, the new power base. Could have picked anywhere. They, they picked this that spot. spot. Doomed then, from the start. <laughs> and then it closes with those couple of things of poetry. Mm-hmm. Now... Throughout all the books, these are common. It's one of my favorite parts. Is it? Yes, because it gives context and interesting things that isn't necessarily directly from the book, isn't necessarily accurate, but is often a beautiful prose story version that while we're, we are reading these books, other people at other times would have been reading about these events from these. And these two particularly... I love because they're both from the fourth age. So after our whole Wheel of Time after story the whole is story, done. They're writing about stuff writing. that happened at the end of the Age of Legends, start of the third age. They're writing about the breaking of the world. Mm -hmm. 
And so I often view these poems and stuff as stuff that our characters would have for reference. But if they had this, then it would have had to have lasted a whole cycle around to get to them. This was written after them. Yeah, they've not seen this. Now, you know who wrote all these books. All the books or all the stuff in the fourth age? No, all, all the, the books. Uh, Loyal. Yes. Yeah, Loyal is Robert Jordan. You all haven't met Confirmed. Loyal yet if you're a first-time reader, but you will. He likes to write. You can thank him. He's tall. Having these stories. Some think he's good looking. One in particular. I probably wouldn't, but I'm not a fan of the eyebrows. Eric thinks he's hot. Yeah, but I wouldn't. (laughs) No. (laughs) And that's our prologue. Yeah. So that sets up how things go. Now, we we had Elan and Luce Theron. Two characters active in this prologue. Luce Theron dies at the end. Yes. And yet we will see him again. Kind of. Yeah, we'll never actually see him, and, and yet, kind of. More about that much later. Elan is one of the Forsaken. Mm-hmm. All the others are trapped in the boar. He's, He's not, not, and yet he is. And it didn't touch on this in the prologue at all. No. But the understanding is that he was caught in the boar peripherally, so that he is out for a while and then kind of gets sucked into it. So I'll refer back to our last episode where we learned about all the things that happened during the Third Age. So we've got the breaking of the world and all that. And after that all settles down, things get peaceable for a while. For hundreds of years, about 800 years, things are peaceful. During that time, Elon is trapped in the boar with all the other Forsaken. But then that peaceful time ends with the Trolloc Wars. And why did the Trollocs suddenly rally and come out? The theory is that Ilan got free for a while again. Like, he's he's trapped in the boar, but barely. So after enough struggle and strife, the Forsaken being immortal because of the Dark One's power, he's able to break out, and he gets out and says, what kind of havoc can I do? And he does all he can, and then gets sucked back in. And the Trollocs end up losing. Elan is gone. And they did what they could, but the forces of good finally overcome them. And then there's a period of peaceful, ha, ah, again. And then we get to Arthur Hawkwing's time, where he's he defeats Ware Amalasan, and he's got a, you know, he has some issues with the Aes Sedai, but then they work through that, and there's relative peace, and then all of a sudden... Hawkwing flips on his perspective and he's all can't stand the Aes Sedai again. And there's this big rift and a siege on Tarvalin. The siege takes place and it's all negative again. And the theory is Elan got free again. And he became an advisor to Arthur Hawkwing. He wormed his way into that court and he convinced Hawkwing that the Aes Sedai were using him and were out to get him, and in fact had killed his family, who had mysteriously died, and so poisoned him towards the Aes Sedai. And then when Hawkwing died, others who stepped up to fill the void also had the same advisor in their courts, like three or four different successive people who were trying to see what they could do to carry on in some way, because again, Hawkwing died with no mm-hmm. heir of the blood there. So others initially tried to keep things going, but they had the same guy, what's his name, Mordid, something like that, with them. And each time they listened to him and then things went bad. And then he jumps to the next guy and they listen and then things go bad. And then he eventually just disappears. 
And according to the histories, he never aged a day, all through a few decades. Mm -hmm. Again, the theory that was Elon, he's messing with things again, and then he just disappears again. He got sucked back into the bore. And then now, as we're going to start our story, it's like a certain period of time, and it's been about that same amount of time since Arthur Hawkwing, and the distance it was between Arthur Hawkwing and the Trolloc Wars, and the distance it was from the Trolloc Wars to the break in the world. It's time for Elon to make an appearance. Now, I know at times in the books, Elon himself claims responsibility for some of these things. The knowledge of him actually disappearing or not and all that, I don't know the White Book or the Companion very well. Does it help fill in and confirm any of that in either of those, or is that just us trying to piece together? Well, the White Book is written as history. Yeah. Based on what we know and papers that are in place. So it doesn't tell you absolutes, but it confirms the thought process that there might be something going on there. But it doesn't absolutely peg it. And the companion, I'd have to look up again. You know, companion is more of an encyclopedia, Mm -hmm. which I I do own, but I haven't read it from front to end. So I'd have to double check that. I can put my researchers on that. I I always just kind of sit and wonder how much, when, if Elon gets sealed away. Because I know we like assume he does, but I don't know how and when it is confirmed for what ways. Or if he just chooses to stay back sometimes. It's purely speculation, but I don't think anyone would choose to be trapped in the boar. So I think he's able to get himself out periodically, and he stays out as long as he's able to before he gets sucked back in. That fits my My mental canon. Headcanon is what you're looking for? Headcanon. We can go with headcanon. That's uh, a term. Mental canon works good, too. It's kind of like with my brain, I want to blow a wall in a castle. Sure. (laughs) Uh, Blow a hole in a castle wall, not blow a wall in a castle. That really didn't make any sense. (laughs) Maybe I should go back to headcanon since mental canon isn't working. Your mental canon is overthinking. (laughs) Um, But now I definitely wonder, do we ever confirm that he spends time in the boar? Because I don't think he would choose to go back in there, but I do think he might choose to just sit back and do nothing or be in the shadows, letting there be good times. I'm fully aware I could be totally off and we see proof that he is in the boar for a long period of time, but I'm not necessarily thinking of it. I'm just thinking we kind of assume if things are going well, he's not influencing the world. But I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, I'd have to look into it. The only thing I can go from is other podcasts and information that mm-hmm. I've read, including people who have access to Robert Jordan's notes. Definitely. Give us the impression that he was getting sucked into the bore and then would get out for a while. I haven't seen those notes myself. I don't have access to his personal notes. But those who do have access are definitely more reliable than our conjecture. Yeah, yeah. So I'm feeling pretty good with it that, no, he's just able to get out periodically and then get sucked back in. And that works for me. Okay. Of course, he goes completely insane. He went insane before he ever got in there. Ah, all right. Well, I think that wraps up this one then. Yeah, that seems like a little shorter, but prologue is a little shorter. Well, it was only eight pages. Rather than I think we, we stretched eight years. pages into 45 minutes or so. That's not bad. Yeah, it's definitely better than trying to condense 3,000 years into 50 or so that, minutes. That was a doozy. Yeah. All right. Well, next episode, we'll be done with the prologue. So we'll be moving into chapter one and a few chapters in as we go to Emmons Field. 
the home of some of our core characters, and then get introduced to a number of outsiders who also become some key characters. And if you are reading along, I, we are shooting that the next episode will cover the first four chapters, loosely, as well as all the many tangents. Yes. So we look forward to that. It should be great. At least that's always our goal. You can let us know if you agree by going and rating us. Apple Podcasts allows you to do that. Give us a rating. Give us a review. We'd love to hear what you're thinking about it. We certainly hope that you'll subscribe so we know we're building up a following ship. Followership. Following ship sounds wrong. Followership. We're doing this because we enjoy it, but if we are finding out that some of you are enjoying it as well, that's fantastic. Also in the show notes here for this podcast, you'll see where you can connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We pretend to be on Instagram. There's a few pictures there. (laughs) And we have a Discord server, which, you know, you can continue the conversation there. Drop in and say hi. Yep, there's general chat. There's different channels on there that you can connect with based on what are your favorite series. We're doing Wheel of Time right now, but there's so many other great fantasy series that we'll cover eventually. And you can take a look at any of those. You can say, hey, I absolutely love The Wizard of Oz. Sorry, there's no server channel for that. (laughs) But Lord of the Rings is there. Uh, Many others. So pick your choice of preference and jump in and share your thoughts. And you'll find like-minded people ready to talk about fantasy as well. I got nothing else. Neither do I. All right. Thanks for being here, guys. We'll talk to you next time.